Hey, and welcome to Muscle Talk Podcast, by far the best bodybuilding podcast where you'll learn everything you ever wanted to know about building muscle, cutting up, nutrition, using supplements, prepping for competition, dealing with injury, training, recovering, and keeping a winning mindset. I'm Christine Emble, three times world champion and former IFBB professional bodybuilder, food scientist, and co-owner and supplement developer for the show's host, International Protein. If you're enjoying Muscle Talk podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you could take a little time and leave us a five-star review on Spotify or whichever platform you're listening on. It'll only take a few seconds and it will allow other people to discover our show and share the knowledge. Hey, welcome back to Muscle Talk podcast. And today I want to talk about the third thing that I wish I had done different when I was competing. And today I'm free forming it. I have no notes, so we could go a little bit off track. We'll see. I am known for, for meandering when I talk. But anyway, what are you're probably wondering, what is the third thing that I wish I had done different in all my years of competing? And it is eating more fat in my diet. It's as basic and simple as that. And I'm not talking about keto. I'm not talking about going zero carb, going keto, all that. Because that was that was done in the day. Like so many people did that. The greatest results in terms of, you know, how hard their musculature was, like that was always the thing. Too much fat made not it wasn't sorry, it wasn't too much fat. It was not enough carbohydrate made people look soft. Like they thought that carbs was making them fat, but the condition of the muscle when you compete is never as hard and as full and firm when if you don't have carbohydrate in it. But that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, again, back in the day, what was the, the current thought on, you know, what your, what your diet should look like? Like what was your macro ratio when you were competing back in the 90s, back in the early 2000s? And even as recent as now, I have seen some uh, podcasts put out by some of the current trainers and they're talking about how obviously, you know, the bodybuilding diet is always or should be low in fat. And that, and this has made me think about a couple of different things here. One of them is, again, you know, what, what would have the impact been on my physique? Not only my physique, but the longevity of my joints and my tendons. And that's, I guess, where this thing is coming back to around what role that fat plays. The other thing that it's like made me kind of question, and I don't know if there's any research out there on it yet, because I haven't looked very, very deeply, but the fact that what I'm finding as I'm in my like late forties, what my body responds to and what it would have responded to in my twenties. And if there is actually a, a progression and that what, like, like you can't translate what's happening now and bring it back to when you were younger. And, and this is a, a kind of a concept that I've been thinking about. I think we talked about it on the raw knowledge podcast I did with Alex Connor a couple of weeks ago, where essentially everything, whether it be your training or any kind of knowledge or your studies. The way that you're thinking in your 20s, the way that your body is in your 20s or your 30s, 40s, 50s is changing. And as you go through life, you know, you learn things and your body responds differently. But that doesn't necessarily mean that what's happening now, if you've translated that back to when you're younger, if that actually would still be relevant. So this is, so this, this has kind of left me at a bit of a crossroads with this one. So that's why I say I would love to have tried it because essentially, you know, 90% of the diets that I did when I was competing were your standard, you know, say 35% protein, around 45% carbs. And then the carbs actually would have been around, I would say maybe 
sorry, the protein would actually have been around 45% because I'd never counted the plant protein as part of my protein intake. I always counted that as a carbohydrate and then the balance of that being fat. So fat was generally under 15 or under 10% in my diets personally. So let's talk a little bit about that and why. So thinking back to, you know, the nineties and the trend back then really was low fat. Like that was when we were going onto low fat dairy products. We were stripping fat out of absolutely everything. We, you know, retrospectively found out that we were replacing it with a whole lot of very unhealthy sugars, but in, but at the time the thinking around nutrition and, you know, popular thinking was that, okay, fat has more calories. If you want to lose weight, you want to eat less calories. So therefore let's eliminate fat. Simple as that. That was, that was the thought process. My thought process, the bodybuilder was, and this is where a little bit of that age thing comes in is I wanted to eat as much food as possible for my calories. So when you think about it, when you're on a, a, you know, a restricted diet, and we've talked about how in some of the, you know, in the earlier podcasts, we've talked about how potentially, you know, for my size, I was on low calorie for what would have been expected to be eating for someone who was as heavy as what I was and training as hard as what I was. So the limited amount of food that I was able to consume, I wanted to maximize the volume of that food. Otherwise I would be mentally very unhappy and, and very, very hungry. So again, that thinking, well, okay, you know, a teaspoon of fat or a rice cake is kind of like the volume of a rice cake and the volume of a teaspoon of oil that you won't even notice. It's not something that I really wanted to eat. Like I really wanted to pump up that volume. So that was, that was one of the, you know, the thought processes behind that. Is as far as fat at the time, again, I would ask dietitians, I would talk to people in, you know, not necessarily in the bodybuilding community, but I would talk to people who were in the nutrition space. And I would say, like, what is the least amount of fat that our bodies can survive on? And of course, they would be referring back to, you know, the essential fats, and it's not actually a very large amount that you need. It's actually quite a small amount. And they actually would say to me that it's the palatability of the diet, which restricts how low you can take the fat in a diet. So what that means basically is the average person, once you drop the fat in someone's diet below about 20% or even 25%, it becomes that unedible, that dry and, and quite awful that most people won't stick to something like that. So they never, so in the mainstream nutrition, it wasn't something that was ever considered because people were never dropping their body. So dropping the dietary fat that low. Bodybuilders, as we know, are completely different because we will stick to incredible extreme things that other people won't stick to. Like we will, because that is what we have to do, we will cut the fat in our diet. We will eat the dry chicken. We will eat the, the you know, the plain rice, the, the broccoli, the monotonous food, the same food day after day. Apparently I'm told majority of the population don't like doing that. So, you know, so us bodybuilders kind of are outliers in that space in that we will do extreme things. So because you can do it, you therefore I guess, do things which maybe may or may not be good for you. So just tracking back, what are, what are the things that I think maybe were, you know, the impact of not having eaten a lot of fat in my diet? So the joints, you know, the, the role that, that fats play in the, the, I guess, nerves and the joints, but particularly in the joints, anecdotally, I was told from people who did other weight sports that when they carried more body fat, obviously there's less injury. They were able to lift a little bit heavy. Everything was protected and, you know, taken care of. So now fast forward into, you know, into the age that I am now and the implication of injuries and wondering like, would have the fat, would have, would have a higher fat diet had an, had an impact on that? It may not have, it may have. Because the other thing that I'm learning is that it's, 
it's not necessarily the the work that I did that has caused the you know the breakdown of tendons and things. That's just what they call natural aging. So it's it's there's a whole bunch of things where I think there's not enough information around to make that call. But it's one thing where I would have preferred you know from a health perspective to go back and incorporate more of the fat into my diet and just kind of see, would it have, you know, would it have had an impact? It may not have, but it may have. So I'm, I'm very, very curious around that. So that's something where, you know, for other people who are competing, urging them to eat the right types of fats and not be scared of fat, like not to, not to go overboard and then like totally eliminate all your carbohydrates and in place of, you know, crazy amounts of fats and things, but looking at it as in that 25 to 30% realm and kind of saying like, what does that do to my, you know, the my, the longevity of my joints and what does it do to the, you know, even like nerve function and just the overall, I guess, palatability of the diet, because again, it's not about being miserable, you know, and I know that's the thing with bodybuilding is a lot of the times we are doing it, but we're not necessarily happy about, you know, what we're, what we're eating and everything. But I didn't, I normally do like to go and do a lot of research. I kind of ad hoc this one because I didn't get a chance to go back and, and look at if there was anything specifically relating to, you know, to that people eliminating fat from the diet and then seeing impact on, you know, joint integrity, aging of the joints. So that's one thing that I do have to go back and look. And, I, and as I find out, I will bring that to you because I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by it. The, the, the things that I'm being told now about joints, uh, sorry, not joints, like tendons and things, and obviously having a lot of issues with those now, is that much like the skin, because there's a lot of collagen in our joints, as per the skin, as we age, we get wrinkles, that's you know, the degradation of the skin. The same thing happens with the tendons. So whether or not you're training or not training, it's not that you can say, oh, you broke your tendons down by training too much. It just happened because that's what happens to aging. And then that's a hard thing to accept that, that that's going to happen regardless of what you do, that, that you're going to have that degradation. I hope you're enjoying Muscle Talk podcast brought to you by International Protein. If you're located outside Australia, you can purchase our products from our website, which is www.international-protein.com. But if you live in Australia, you'll have to find us in your favorite store. And if they don't stock us, ask them to drop us a line and let us know that you want our products. So that's one part of it. The other part of it, as I said, is coming back to the thought of, um, you know, in my 20s, I was a hungry person. Now, whether that was because I was training a hell of a lot harder, whether my calories were actually more restricted, but as I said, I wanted to eat the most volume of food that I could for the calories that I was consuming, where majority of the fat that came into my diet literally was what was naturally occurring. I did not add fats to my diet, in the, particularly in the early years. So that, So that question is, you know, would it have been appropriate as a 20, in my twenties, would have, would I've, I enjoyed the diet? Would it have made things easier? I also had a real dislike of pretty much anything which had a fatty food content. So whether that was a psychological thing or whether that was a physiological thing, I can't actually answer that. But what I can say is that moving into my, to my forties, coming up into my fifties, the proportion of fat that I eat in my diet has skyrocketed. Like And I don't mean that because I'm going out and eating pastry and ice cream and cream buns and all that kind of stuff. Like, no, it's not. It's actually coming from almonds, it's coming from salmon, it's coming from sunflower seeds, it's cooking in olive oil. It's like all of the good fats, all of the monounsaturated fats where preferable omega fats from salmon 
What I have found is that, and this again kind of comes back to that whole metabolic thing and the impact of was adding on top of the low calories, adding a low fat diet, also impacting the rate that the metabolism slowed down is that as I got older, I found out that by switching around my macros and increasing that fat, decreasing the carbohydrate, keeping the protein the same, actually allowed me to eat a lot more calories. So this, like, this is a very instant change that I'm talking about. This is not over a period of time, my metabolism came back because I had allowed it to recover. Like this was literally sitting in a point where I was restricting my calories to probably, you know, 15, 1600, doing my hit, doing a lot, doing, you know, my weight training and then kind of thinking, well, I'm always hungry and my body fat's not really shifting. So there's obviously not something not right, quite right here. So let's relook at the actual macro structure. And I'm, this was just totally just kind of thinking, okay, what can I do different? What have I seen other people who are older saying they eat more fat, changing those macros around and literally instantaneously, like pumping my calories up to about 2000, coming from more fats and not gaining weight. Like that, like that actually was quite mind blowing to increase by 500 calories a day coming from fats and not have a, not have a weight gain associated with that. So the macro structure or the macro composition of your diet coupled with the restriction of diet and, you know, theoretically in my mind, I should have gained weight at doing that change, but it was like a, a, an instantaneous change of the increase in metabolism without the weight gain from changing that macro structure. So that is something where I'm thinking like, would that have been the case when I was in my twenties or thirties, if I had tried that, or would it have not worked because I was not at the right age for that? So that's a question that Again, I don't know if much research is being done around it, if anyone has seen anything out there, but it's kind of fascinating to think that, you know, maybe there's a time and a place at a certain age and your body's not ready for things at a certain age. But then again, maybe that would have been a way smarter way to do things, but the mentality, and again, that comes back to the fashion of what was going on in the food space at the time and thinking around which macros were the right ones and the wrong ones now to say, you know, if it had a state isocaloric, cholera, sorry, isocaloric, so same amount of calories, just a different macro ratio. I could, again, that makes total sense, but to actually have that massive, which to me is a massive jump and not have an impact on my body fat levels and my body weight even, but just to almost like, okay, body was happy now because it's getting more fat, extra calories, but not actually storing them. So yeah, so many questions. Would it have been the same if it was different types of fat? And as I said, would it have been the same if I was in my twenties? I did one comp prep where I followed the zone diet. I'm not sure. I know we've done a podcast previously around the zone diet where that was, you know, 40% carbohydrate, 30% protein, 30% fat. So that was like a higher fat diet. However, when I got to the end of the diet, I realized that I had actually missed this sentence in the book that said, if you use protein powder for your protein, that you have to actually add more fat in to compensate for the fact that protein powder is essentially fat-free, whereas they were assuming that people would be getting their, their protein from, you know, beef or higher fat poultry or other sources, which naturally brought fat in. So they'd like corrected for that in the diet calculation. And as I said, I kind of missed that very critical sentence. So essentially I was having half as much, much fat as what you were supposed to have. So I, I didn't even kind of get that right. But I will say that that diet, having the lower carbohydrate which actually wasn't as low as what I had assumed. It was actually probably higher protein. It actually worked very, very well for me. So going into it mentally, I thought having the lower carbohydrates that I would suffer 
And when I say lower carbohydrate, it was still 40% or slightly higher. It wasn't zero or anything like that. But in my mind, you know, I was thinking, oh gosh, you know, I need all these carbs for energy. And then it, it turns out that I was actually you know, trained very well and it had no issue. The the body body fat did come off really well. And just again, to putting that in context, I had switched over to that particular diet because after probably at that point in time, gosh, I'm trying to think how many years I've been competing, probably about seven years of competing, I was finding that my traditional diet was not working for me. So I needed that break, reset, try something different. I did essentially go back to my traditional low-fat diet. Subsequent years got, you know, great results out of it and that type of thing. But, you know, for a certain amount of work. So, yeah, that was the closest that I came to, I guess, kind of experimenting with using different levels of fat in the diet at that age. But as I said, a lot of it was that mental thing of thinking I'm going to be suffering because I'm not going to be able to eat as much volume. Whereas now it's the other way where I struggle to eat the volume and the fats are not only, not only have they changed my metabolism, but they've actually allowed me to keep the fact that my, you know, my appetite is not what it was when I was, you know, competing and training in my twenties. So it, that's what I'm saying. Some of it may be just purely a, a, a thing that we progress through with age. We know our taste changes, the things that we like to do change, the way we like to do things changes as we age. So maybe that has some particular impact around that. So that's what I wanted to talk about that. There's a whole other level to the fat discussion because it's not just fat as a category. The research that's coming out now is the actual composition of your fats and being mindful of whether you're you know, whether it's polyunsaturates, whether it's monounsaturates, whether it's saturated fats, that different interplay between the, the omega-6 is, you know, getting too high because everything got switched over when people didn't want to eat saturated fat and that now causing problems. But having a diet with the, the fat that you are having, having it in the right balance, like the next evolution for, for where I see nutrition, focus on nutrition going and the, the, I guess the role of fats in health, because obviously with every day we've we've worked out that sugars are really bad fat's still this thing here and we kind of know that this type of fat's good and that type of fat's bad and we have that kind of connotation but it's not so much as good and bad as much as it's the ratios within that so that's just i guess my prediction for moving forward that we're going to have more scrutiny on the types of fats but uh, well, people might find that interesting particularly again if they are competing following a low-fat diet traditional low-fat diet try something different mix it up, see what happens. You can never predict the future, but you know, even if it does improve your longevity in the sport because of other impacts on skin, joints, nerves, that type of thing, then I think it's worth it. Until next time, it's Christine. If you're enjoying Muscle Talk podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you could take a little time and leave us a five-star review on Spotify or whichever platform you're listening on. It'll only take a few seconds and it will allow other people to discover our show and share the knowledge.